Welcome to the Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hey there, friend. Welcome to the Heal Podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. It is my joy and pleasure to be here with you as your host. And today on the show, we have a guest who I believe, and you'll hear me tell her this, that God has given her an authority in the realm of suffering. She has been in the trenches in more ways than one, and she is still in them. And I believe that she is going to speak hope and life to you in the middle of whatever battle you're facing today. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to Sarah Walton, who is the co-author of the book Hope When It Hurts, which was a biblical reflections to help you grasp God's purpose in your suffering. So she co-wrote that with Kristen Weatherill, who we had on a few weeks ago. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and check it out. And Sarah is also the author of Together Through the Storm, which she wrote with her husband. And you'll hear some of the trials they've been through that prompted that book. And her newest book, Tears and Tossings, Hope in the Waves of Life, is coming out in just a few weeks on May 24th. So you can pre-order your copy for that for only $4.99 and even less than that if you get the bulk orders. So I've linked those ways in the show notes. And I know that you guys are familiar with some of Sarah's work. If you're not, I am thrilled to be the one to get to introduce you to her. And I think that she is going to be the friend who is encouraging you, who is sitting with you in the pain and also telling you that you can keep going. You can keep trusting God. He has something for you in this place. So I will let her speak for herself because it is just so, so good. Buckle up. Here is a fantastic interview with Sarah Walton. Okay, Sarah, your story is a perfect fit for our audience, and I don't want to say I'm excited about it, but I am excited in the sense (laughs) that you say in one of your books I was reading that I think your newest one, that you are in the trenches right now, and so many of our listeners Mm -hmm. are in the trenches, and so I think they're going to really appreciate hearing from someone with them, so thank you for being here, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am really looking forward to it. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. So will you tell us, firstly, it doesn't have to be the health journey. We're going to get into that super fast. But are there other things in your life that you're passionate about or can be a total random hobby or something that you want to share to help people get to know you a little bit? So basic stats, if you say, if you will. I'm married. I've been married about 18 years to my husband, Jeff. And then we have four kids. My oldest is almost 15. And then we have a 12, 10 and eight year old. So we're kind of in the throes of just busyness now, you know, activities are starting Mm -hmm. up juggling all that. So aside from just family life stuff, passions, really writing became a huge passion of mine, kind of out of honestly necessity, I actually was not pursuing writing Mm -hmm. until about probably 2015. And my pastor at the time encouraged me to start writing. I actually don't know why (laughs) he told me that, but it was just from the Lord. And so I started doing that. I had always been a journaler. It just helped me process. I'm an internal processor. I was going to ask that. Yes. So I, I needed to get things out of my head. And so I found it helpful to write things down. And that kind of migrated into me sharing some of whatever God was teaching me in the time to share it somewhat publicly in the sense I just, I wanted, it was initially for me, I'd say, but I really wanted the Lord to be able to use what he was teaching me in the lives of people that I knew so many around me were hurting. Mm -hmm. And so it somehow felt like a little piece of redemption. Like if I can't change my circumstances, Lord, please use them. Um, And so that just lit kind of a fire in me. I just started to engage with people who were feeling similar or wrestling with similar things. And it was an encouragement to my own soul, one, not feeling as alone, but two, just seeing how God is always using what he's taking us through on so many different levels. And for me, that was just one of them. Mm -hmm. And I realized I really enjoyed it and it was healthy for me. So writing has been a big one. I've written three books now. Third one's coming out soon, Tears and Tossings. Other than that, I love horseback riding. (gasps) 
Really? I came. Yes, I, I really love it. You have horses? So I do not have horses. That is my, my long term dream. But I was raised in Chicago, which is not exactly the place to have horses. <laughs> so I since moving to Colorado, uh, almost two years ago, there are a plethora of places that you can ride mm-hmm. horses. So I've gotten into a couple situations. One is actually like a equine therapy yeah. my kids were in and then they started a parent group and so I started being able to do that and Aww. so that's kind of like my it's not I don't get to do it all the time because horseback riding is expensive yeah but it has been such a gift I love animals and that's a good outlet for me mm-hmm. I have an ankle issue that I can't do activity like I used to so that's been a win-win because I don't need my feet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's kind of some of the things I'm enjoying. My husband and I also wrote a marriage book. So there's been things that have come out of that that have been sweet just to do alongside of him, mm-hmm. some conferences and some interviews and things like that. So that's been kind of a, a, a unique thing that we've been able to do together. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's starting to open up some new doors in that in that realm too. So lots of various directions I feel like happening all at the same time, but, but yeah, I'm thankful for where God has me. Well, it just sounds like you're a well-rounded person and you've shared some (laughs) other sides to that, that we all have all those different sectors. I think if we're honest, people probably know me if they've been listening a while and you heard the inflection of my voice when you said, Oh, I love horseback riding because (laughs) horses are just one of my loves. I pretty much came out of the womb like that. And ironically, you said Chicago, my aunt had a horse her whole career in Chicago. Yeah. There's certainly areas that I just, we never were in those areas. So we used to go to Wisconsin sometimes and yeah. And get horseback riding in there. But yes, it's if I could have a horse show up in my backyard today, I'd do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Commitment level and financial uh, no. level. Uh, yes, exactly. So I will take it as, a, as it is for now. If I can have access without it being in my yard, I'm okay with that. Yes, that's wonderful. I also worked with Horses for Healing. I don't know if huh, yours, cool. there are different names for them yes. as well, but I worked with them in college. I'm like, oh, we should have someone who does that yes. on the podcast. That would be incredible. Oh, that would be a good idea. It's a, it's fascinating. I've learned so much. Yeah. And it's helped my kids a lot too. So it is. It's a unique little facet. Yeah. So tell people a little bit. You have your own health journey going on. I also read that your husband for, I guess, many years was an ortho- orthopedic trauma consultant. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. And nobody usually knows what that means. So it's basically, he technically sold screws and plates and everything that doctors would need in trauma surgeries to implant. But the majority of the job was the consulting. So he would actually go into the surgeries and doctors, if you think about it, when they're on call, they're maybe treating any kind of injury that they haven't seen maybe in a long time. They Mm -hmm. might be a hand surgeon, but now they're doing an ankle surgery. So those doctors actually relied on him to walk them through the surgery of the right size screws, plates, the, you know, angles, all that stuff. So he knew the product better. So they actually would wait for him to walk them through the surgery. So it was a really interesting job. He did not have a medical degree, but he took basically like medical classes in order to get the job. Interesting. (laughs) So, but because it was trauma, it was intense because he was on call 24 Uh seven. So that's where the challenge grew over time. He loved it. He was really good at it, Mm. but doctors don't care what you have going on in life if they need you. (laughs) So it just added to the stress of family life once kids came along. So is there someone like that in all your surgeries? Or just if they need like some kind of hardware, there's someone like that. It depends. If it's a really, if it's really simple and they don't have hardware, then they won't necessarily. But Hmm. surprisingly, most there's, there's all kinds of stuff for spines, for heart implants, all that stuff that they'll have. Whoever is actually the consultant for that will kind of be in there to help with the nurses, help the doctors and stuff. You think about like anesthesiologists and the surgeons Mm -hmm. and the nurses, but that's someone I wouldn't have thought about being there. And it sounds like he played a pretty vital role too. Yes, he did. And it was, it was always different and it was heavy at times. I mean, he'd have to come home from a, a really heartbreaking situation where the person lost family members in a car accident and had their leg amputated and like just things that he'd have to come home and process, but he was also coming home to a really intense home life. So some of that, like having that heaviness on both ends grew to be 
a lot. Then you wrote a marriage book. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Which is partly why it came. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. We had to go through the ringer before we felt like we had anything to share. So, yeah. And we would both say like, we didn't write a marriage book because we're, we've like conquered marriage. Mm-hmm. We wrote it because we've been, as you said, in the trenches together. Mm-hmm. And we just want to share how God's carried us through that. Yeah. Because really, if we're all realistic and married, we all go through something and it affects your marriage mm-hmm. somehow. I mean, it's, you know, impacts you both and it's impossible for it to not to impact your relationship to some extent. So yeah. that was kind of our hope out of that was just for the Lord to use what he'd taken us through to a point of a breaking point and how he can really redeem even mm-hmm. those really low places. So, yeah. but yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough journey and it doesn't, even when you, like he ended up leaving that job, which is a whole long story because of the necessity, because our family was suffering so much. Mm -hmm. But even though it was a step of faith, that didn't mean God was going to bless it in an earthly sense. That has, Mm -hmm. that step of faith of leaving that well-paying prestigious job, it was a huge cost. And he took a 70% pay cut. We had to lose our home. We had to sell our home, downsize. Mm -hmm. And he has really gone through the ringer for the last seven years ever since leaving it. So I think we naturally as believers think that when we take a step of faith that's hard, that means God's going to pour out blessing in an earthly sense on the other end. Yeah. And he does bless that obedience, but it's just not always in the way we think it's going to. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's been a long journey of learning. I know you, we, we were just a lot of what we want to talk about is even just how the journey we take, how it shifts our view of God. Yeah. And really until it's tested, you don't have a reason to have to rethink. Right. <laughs> what you believe because it hasn't been tested. So, and we're such creatures of comfort that we're not going to be like, Oh yeah, God, please test my view of you unless it happens. Exactly. (laughs) So you would say that you guys still believe this was an act of obedience Mm -hmm. and it's been really, really hard. I think that is really important for people to hear. Yeah, it is. I think it's taken me understanding because here, here, I'll be honest, there was a point So after he left that job, a year later, even after we lost everything, a year later, the company he moved to basically folded and he lost his job. Mm -hmm. And it felt like the Lord had pulled the rug out from under us. Mm -hmm. We were like, God, like we prayed so fervently for you to guide us to where it was best for our family, that you would protect us as we were leaving what felt really hard to let go of, Mm -hmm. that we were doing this in obedience and so it was really confusing. I was like, I, that's not how I pictured God treating his children. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to rectify the two of God's goodness and sovereignty, knowing he was leading us here and knowing we were going to be suddenly without income with battling Lyme disease and all these other things that were coming at us. So those situations, I think, make you wrestle with assumptions you previously had mm-hmm. about who God is or how he would act or what his goodness means or what him being in control means. What does it mean that he protects me? Mm -hmm. All of those things we somewhat translate in our brain as picturing it a certain way. Yeah. And then if that doesn't pan out that way, we're at a crossroads. We're like, okay, this is not how I thought the Lord would act. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This makes me question things that I was very confident in. And now I'm not sure what to do with those, that mixture of those feelings. Yeah. So I really had to wrestle with, okay, could God's goodness be mixed in here, but I just can't taste and see it in the way that I imagined I would. Yeah. But could he have more for me in this place that is truly what is for my best? Mm -hmm. And if I knew what he knew, I would want that too. But in the moment, in my flesh, I don't know that I want that. (laughs) Yeah. So it is, I think, and that's why I'm grateful we have that space to wrestle with him because Mm -hmm. I, I think if you hit a hard enough place and you reach the depths in the pit, you can't put on a happy smiley face and come to the Lord and be like, I trust you no matter what Mm -hmm. you, you get to some places and you got to get in the nitty gritty of the raw wrestling with, I don't like this. I don't get this. This is not how I thought following you (laughs) would look. Yeah. I don't understand this. How do I make sense of your love for me and you allowing such tragedy in my life? All those different questions, mm-hmm. because that is, I think, the beginning of us actually grounding roots into those truths mm-hmm. of really understanding in the sense of like what Job went through. Mm-hmm. He knew about God. He, he believed those things he knew, 
but he didn't really know if those were true beliefs until that was tested. And he had to step back in the sense and wrestle with, okay, I don't understand how God can be good and take absolutely everything from me. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. And yet, as he went through that wrestling process, what we see, he came to taste and see God in a way that he knew him personally. And he knew God's goodness more than just knowing about God's goodness. He had seen God's faithfulness, even though he believed God was faithful. Mm -hmm. Now he had lived it and experienced it. So I think that's kind of really been the up and down journey that we've been on is And I think that's the Christian faith in general. Mm -hmm. We have those seasons of plateau. We have those seasons of pummeling Mm -hmm. (laughs) and going down to the depths. And in those places, we we face things we've never had to face. Mm -hmm. But those often end up being what brings us to somewhat of spiritual peaks and mountaintops of us seeing and experiencing things about God and knowing him more deeply that we, we somehow end up feeling grateful for the pit. Mm -hmm. It's just this strange tension in the Christian faith. And yet we're not always there, right? We still have that space where it takes a while sometimes to process through the grief over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that's been on a lot of layers for us. It's just, I think each time God's asked us to go deeper into those understandings of what does this really mean? And do I really trust him no matter what? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's not an easy question when you when you realize what that could mean. Yeah. And I am curious, how many years ago was that, I guess, when he left his job and then lost the job that he got a year later? When we had gotten married, he took that job, I think it was about he was in that for about ten years. So I think it was in two thousand around two thousand and 14 or 15 that he left that job. Mm -hmm. And then we moved, we were in a rental home and it was about a year after that he lost that one. And it was actually right. I remember because we got the manuscript for hope when it hurts Mm -hmm. the weekend, he lost his job. Ironic. (laughs) So I was like, Oh Lord, your irony is hilarious. And so here I was with this manuscript of something I had poured my heart out Mm -hmm. to for the last two years or 18 months And I'm holding it in my hand and I had to read through the whole thing before it went to print. Mm -hmm. And my husband tells me he lost his job and we had just been diagnosed with Lyme disease. I did and the, and my four kids. So it was like this polar opposites happening at the same time. I was excited to release this book, but it was really a testing of, do I really believe what I just wrote? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like now that I'm faced with a whole nother level and I, I honestly, I cried through the whole thing. Mm. It was almost like, I don't feel like I was even a part of writing it. It felt like it was this out of body experience mm. where it was like, God had written it for me. Yeah. And here he was handing it to me like, you're, this really has nothing to do with you. I will use this how I choose, but it was really so much of a blessing to me. And to see, I think, how he'd already been carrying me through. A lot of what I was writing was testimonial aspects of the way he'd been faithful. And so it was kind of the idea of even the scripture of God telling Israelites, remember, remember what I have done for you. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of also my own testimonial reminder of how God had already been faithful and carried us through so yeah. many difficult days. And so it, I had to end that and think, do I still continue to believe he will do that even now? Mm-hmm. So it was it was an interesting, strange experience. but it really was a blessing at the same time. And I think it was just, that was a season of us learning what it looks like to wait mm-hmm. on the Lord. He didn't get a job for six or seven months. Mm-hmm. And so we were paying out of pocket Lyme disease treatments. As many people know who face any of that kind of stuff, most wasn't covered by insurance. So we had to say no to treatments. We yeah. had to just kind of deal with our ailments. And it, it was a tension. It was like, this doesn't seem what... How do you make sense of this? The Lord knows we need this, but he's not providing a way for us to get these treatments right now. So it was a time of confusion, of wrestling in the waiting. Like, this makes no sense to me. The Lord says he'll provide. I don't see that. Mm -hmm. And yet I think the intensity of those seasons also force you to look really closely for his provision. Yeah. And to like, to not miss it because you need it so much that you are so much more honed in to seeing how he answers prayers for provision. I mean, we had 
someone showed up on Christmas morning. We had told the kids that we were going to cut back on Christmas gifts because we didn't have an income. And because he had lost his job like right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, they were sad. We felt sad. And then one morning we had a huge bin of gifts show up at our door. Hmm. To this day, we have no idea who sent them. There were gifts for Jeff and I. There were gifts for the kids. They were personal. I mean, it was like the Lord had literally dropped a box of Christmas gifts on our doorstep. And what was so sweet is it wasn't just a blessing to my husband and I, but our kids saw a very tangible hand of God Mm -hmm. that he sees us when, even though it feels like we don't understand why he hasn't provided a job, he's giving us these little reminders, but I see you and I know what I'm doing and I'm still present. Mm -hmm. And it was little things like that, or an envelope of money showing up in the mailbox with the exact amount for a bill we had, that no one knew like things like that. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't exchange that. Like I would never have been as in tune and aware of God's practical, tangible care had I had all the money in the world that I needed. Mm-hmm. It, we're, we're not in that place of, of desperation of need. And so my husband and I would both say we look back on that season and he's lost his job twice now, <laughs> not because of anything he's done. Both companies have folded and one was kind of in a dishonest way three months after he was hired. And it sent us right back into that struggle again. Mm-hmm. Lord, <laughs> we haven't we done this before? Like, didn't we learn our lessons? Like, why? Yeah. But each time, I think, taught us new things, brought us to a closer level of, do I trust him anyway? Do I trust he has reasons and purposes that I can't see and understand? And we would both say those are some of our sweetest seasons. Mm-hmm. We Life was simplified. We, we had less distraction. We were looking for ways God was providing. We got to rejoice in that together as a family. Mm-hmm. Like those things were, became precious to us in a season we never would have chosen, but can say now we're grateful for what God gave us in those seasons. So yeah. it's, you know, I don't think you ever get to where you're like, oh, I lost my job. That's okay. God's going to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Like that, you still struggle with it and you still wrestle with the confusion and the the pain of waiting and the fear of will this be provided for? Will we have enough for this next month? But there is also those sweet treasures you find there. Yeah. It seems like there's almost a cycle between gratitude and questioning Mm -hmm. or almost like they happen at the same time. Yep. In the sense of, I think I've read somewhere, you know, you can't question or you can't doubt at the same time that you're being grateful, which might be true in the moment when you're sitting there saying, okay, God, I am grateful for this. It was like, you can't hold another feeling while you're holding gratitude. And I was like, yeah, maybe in that moment, but I feel like real life is, man, I can be grateful and see, maybe if I had a few million dollars, I would not be seeing God's provision like this. And yet 10 minutes later, go through, why God is this happening? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't think, I, I think sadly, especially in the, in the kind of, I'd say the American culture or the Western culture we have like this fear of lamenting and grieving as if that shows a lack of faith. Mm -hmm. And I think what's sad about that is we miss out on sometimes I think that is where some of the greatest faith is found and experienced. Yeah, It's saying everything in me feels this way, but I am feeling and sensing and seeing and tasting the presence and strength of God because somehow I also experienced some semblance of joy in the same period of time. And I can't make sense of that other than there's something greater at work in me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a process. I think that's, I'd say it's like a cycle. I do think over time, as you walk through different things, that cycle sometimes shortens a bit where you might have like a period of time of really struggling with grief and anger and frustration and it takes you a while to get back to, do I believe these promises? Do I, do I trust that God is in this? But I, I would say as God's grown us and the faith roots have, have had to go deeper, mm-hmm. when those new difficulties come, I'd say I've seen that turn around a little quicker. Mm-hmm. For example, like you read the Psalms and so many of the Psalms go through the process of lament, grief, questioning, being honest with the Lord of how I feel, how this doesn't make sense. Lord, why are you letting the wicked prosper? Mm -hmm. Like the things that don't make sense to us. And yet it's by the end that they're starting to preach to themselves what's true. 
And so we're kind of taking ourselves through this process. Okay, I'm going to look straight at the feelings that I can't, if I just deny they're there, it's actually not going to help me. Yeah. So if I just put them right out there and I say, this is how I feel, I don't quite know how to make sense of it yet. Okay, but now I'm going to take that and I'm going to, I'm going to look through the lens of scripture and continue to repeat that over to myself until it starts to take on a new I'm starting to see it from a new lens that I'm seeing, okay, I, I really, I don't understand how this is going to turn out. This is hard. I don't like it in the moment, but I also have seen God part the Red Seas. Mm -hmm. And I have also seen God stand in the presence of the fire with Daniel. Like Daniel enters into the lion's den. Like mm -hmm. he didn't know that he was going to be saved, Yeah, but he stayed faithful to the Lord until the end and the Lord showed up. And it doesn't always mean we're going to be rescued in the sense of what we don't want to happen won't happen but he promises that his presence will be in there and that he is working it mm -hmm. somehow for our good in an eternal sense. And so, yeah, I just, I feel like, a, I just feel more of a passion for helping people understand that having the process of grief is not the opposite of faith mm -hmm. because I think we miss a really crucial aspect that God wants us to draw near in. I mean, you yeah. look at even scripture, Jesus cried out, father, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. I mean, he cried that out. He even cried out for God to take the cup from him, to not have to die on the cross. And yet, even though Jesus, who prayed in the greatest level of faith any of us could, God said no. Mm -hmm. That was his will for him. And in the end, Jesus said, whatever you will, I will do. So I think that's a helpful process for us to see if our Savior was able to acknowledge and even shed tears of blood because he was under such stress. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that we will have a physical, mental, emotional reaction to our suffering yeah, and to bring it to the Lord rather than running from it as if it's a sign of a lack mm -hmm. of faith. I have a friend right now who was really struggling with something physical going on and she called me and she's like, I know you talk about suffering a lot, so let's have this conversation. And she said, I asked her if she had grieved and she's like, no, not really because she's very type A and driven. And she's like, but if I grieve this, it to me feels like I'm giving up yeah. because I shouldn't grieve until I have turned over every single medical treatment until I've tried everything. It's like, yeah, yeah. Just being hard on yourself, but saying, well, there's always some, there's something else I could try. Why should I grieve yet? That's, that's my part to do is that there's still more I could do. Yeah. So what would you say to someone in that place who's like, ah, but grieving just feels like I'm giving up or I'm accepting that God won't ever heal me or that this yeah. won't ever change? Yeah. Well, I think if you think about it in terms of I'm grieving what isn't that I had desired, I'm grieving what may never be. It doesn't mean we grieve without a sense of hope that there could be change. So the whole picture of grieving with hope mm -hmm. is not only because of eternity, because we do ultimately, that's where our hope is based, that no matter what we're facing, one day it will end and we will end in glory for those who are followers of Christ. But there's also a sense of present hope that God also promises he's working in our current situation. Mm -hmm. So it's not a promise that he's going to take away the illness we deal with. He's not promising that this next treatment's going to be the one that solves it all. But I think it is all, if we change our view to seeing it as a, a journey of faith and each step we take, there are purposes within God saying yes, and there are purposes in where God says no or in not yet. Mm -hmm. So I can look back at, for example, we had a season, we were led to these doctors that were supposed to be like cutting edge really, really good. And we needed help for our son who was dealing with mental illness stuff. And it was consuming our family. I would say it was near destroying our family. Mm -hmm. And so we were desperate. And so we had to pay $5,000 out of pocket to even have an appointment with these doctors. We, we get all of it set up. Turns out we find out that the doctors we had reached out to had falsified and taken the name of the original doctors who we were supposed to be seeing. <sighs> And there had been a legal battle between them. And so we were actually seeing doctors that were not the ones we oh thought we gosh. were seeing. And we had already paid for it. And it was, oh man, talk about like, okay, God knew that. Mm -hmm. He knows we don't have finances to just throw around. He knows how desperately we need help. Mm -hmm. I could not make sense of it for the life of me. I still cannot make sense of it for the life of me. But if I had said in that moment, 
well, there's no point in going on. So either you look at the two sides of it. Okay, well, mm-hmm. either God's not for me. So what's the point of even trying? I'm not going to keep going. I'm just going to sit and wallow in my pity now because I don't see any hope of change. So I had to step back. We had we had to really pray through, Lord, I just don't understand why you didn't protect us from this. Mm-hmm. But what are our options? It's to sit and, and have a pity party and get nowhere or to take the next step and trust that for whatever reason, God either in time will show us his purposes in that. Mm-hmm. Or if not, it's simply a test of faith. Do I trust him anyway? And so we had to fight for that sense of, okay, I'm going to grieve. This stinks. This feels so unfair. This feels like I am tasting the evil of the world Mm -hmm. and people taking advantage of people while they're down. Yet I could either stay there or I could say, okay, but I need to keep my eyes fixed on the hope that this is not the end for us either. And I'm going to trust and take the next step. I don't know what the next step is going to look like. I don't know what that outcome is going to look like. I don't have the promise that, okay, that one didn't work, but this next one's going to be the answer. Mm -hmm. It's the journey of faith of saying, Lord, we're taking this step. I'm just trusting you're going to provide and you're going to meet us there. Help me to trust you with whatever the outcome is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, we start to let go of putting all our hope and expectation in the next thing while also having the hope that God can change things at any point. And that's a tough balance to keep. But I think enabling us to have the grief mixed in there is basically just acknowledging the way things are. Hmm. It's acknowledging we live in a fallen world. We This is not what God desires for us. Yeah. This is the impact and the effect of sin. And it's okay to grieve that. Yeah. So, But at the same time, God wants us to walk forward in faith, but in hope that he is walking with us. Mm-hmm. I think as you're talking, I'm thinking that in the church, very often we use faith as a guise or yeah. cover for denial. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I think a self-protectiveness. Yeah. I think we can have this idea that if I can retain some kind of control, yeah. I truly believe that if I have enough faith, God won't let something bad happen to me. Or if I have enough faith, I can pray it away. So that helps us feel like we still have a piece of control over what happens and how to protect ourselves. Mm. And so it's not, I think that's, we set ourselves up for a far fall. (laughs) I think when we base our hope on that, because when that doesn't pan out the way we think, Mm -hmm. what does that make us think? It makes us think, okay, I must not have faith. Yeah, it's not. It's no longer just the fact of wrestling with not understanding why God allowed it, but it's now doubting everything I knew about Him mm-hmm. and everything I knew about what does it mean to be a Christian. I thought if I prayed in Jesus' name, He would protect me from this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that false prosperity gospel yeah. with a Christian twist. Yep. It's basically saying you can control God as long as you truly believe and you pray it in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> It doesn't take long for us to realize that is not the gospel and that if Jesus himself was willing to walk to the cross, what makes us think that we shouldn't have to carry a cross? Amen. That is because he's got something greater for us on the other side. It's just shifting our view from this temporary way that we we view God in our pretty little box that makes us feel comfortable mm-hmm. rather than realizing, no, God is the goodness he's doing, the faithfulness, every characteristic it is going to come to pass and we will see it, but we won't always see it in the way we expect to see it and not always in an earthly temporary way. And so I think that's where we can trip up when we're surrounded by people that keep telling us Mm -hmm. that. Have you prayed in faith? Have you truly believed that Jesus yep. can heal you? Do you really want to be healed? <laughs> I mean, I've heard. Or all is of it your sin issue? Yes. Because sin would still be your control because you could fix your sin issue. Exactly. Exactly. There must be something you haven't learned yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So I, I don't know. I think from that standpoint, it's one of the reasons I think I'm grateful the Lord's taken us through a lot mm-hmm. is because I think it's let go of a lot of fear mm. of something bad happening because I've realized I can't control it anyway. No matter what I do, I don't have control over that. But what speaks into that fear is, but I know the Lord will meet me there. Mm. And I know he's not going to allow it unless he has something for me in it. And as that true belief grows, where I really actually believe that Mm -hmm. the fear lessens. doesn't mean I'm fearless. We're still 
you know, we still live in a scary world, but it helps me to, I think, rein it in into a healthier place where I can entrust it to the Lord. I think Christine Kane calls it even if faith instead of what if faith. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Even if it happens, that would be really awful. Right. And God would still be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think the the acknowledging, uh, like how many times have you seen someone that's gone through something and you've thought, oh, I could never endure that. Yeah. Like immediately comes up in you like this terror, like I can't even fathom how they're managing to walk through that. And that's because we haven't received the grace that they've mm-hmm. received in that moment. Good and yet, when you've walked something, through something, I have people say that to me all the time. And I I simply say, yeah, I couldn't go through this either, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not going through this on my own. Somehow God is giving us the grace for it. Somehow he's equipping yeah. me so that I don't feel destroyed by it. It's hard. I cry a lot, but I couldn't have imagined going through this either. Yeah, And it wouldn't have helped me to imagine it, but God's met me in the place that he has us when he has brought those things into our life. Yeah. And so it testifies to his faithfulness in that. Yeah. I like what you said about it would have helped me to have imagined it. That's just going to make you more fearful and everything else. Yes. So one thing that keeps coming back in in what you're saying is the idea of protection. So Mm -hmm. I would love to dig into that a little bit because I think that's a big theme in so much. I mean, the financial parts of your story, the health parts. I know you talk about, and I kind of wanted to go into that, but even just carrying the grief and guilt of feeling like you caused your kids to have Lyme disease because you had it. Correct me if I'm wrong, putting your story together, but I don't think you knew you had Lyme disease when you had your kids. Yep. Not until all of them were born. And so just, I can imagine there's the idea of, okay, God, why couldn't you have let me get diagnosed with Lyme disease before that? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, we could have prevented that for some of them. And the concept of that as a mother, now that I'm five months pregnant is really hard. So what have you learned about protection when God doesn't protect you from the $5,000 wrong people and the losing your job and your kids having Lyme disease? Like, where is he when he's not quote protecting you? That's actually been something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And one thing that has really, I'd say the biggest the biggest shift for me in that perspective is I think we naturally all think protection means God is going to keep harm from happening, or if harm comes, he's going to protect me and remove it. Mm-hmm. So you th- I think of it from a parent's perspective. I can only think in a temporal way. So I think, okay, well, if I see a car coming, I'm going to run and grab my kid out of the way of the car, mm-hmm. right? That's a good, loving parent. I'm not going to sit idly by while they're put in harm's way and I watch something bad happen. So I come to that that picture of God with that same kind of perspective of the way I would think as a parent. Mm-hmm. And I portray God in that way. And so then when something bad happens, I can't understand it. And it feels like immediately, well, that must mean feel, it feels like God doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. It feels like he can't care enough or he would have prevented me from having that happen. So what I've started to really, I think God has been opening my eyes to more and more actually recently. If we look at scripture, we think of all the great men and women of the Bible. I think of Abraham, Moses, Elijah, David, Daniel. I mean, the list could go on and on. Joseph. In each one of those situations, God told them he was going to use them greatly. And he told them things they had they had spiritual blessing in a way that was greater than many people. They, they talked directly with God. They experienced him in a unique way. And God specifically told him how he was going to use them. Well, in all those situations, if you think about what happened immediately after God told them what happened, they went into either a pit, a prison or a wilderness. Mm-hmm. So Ooh. if you think about that and I think, okay, God's changed my heart to follow him. Now my perspective means He's going to protect me. He's going to bless me. He's going to work in a way that I think makes sense. Like all those things is what naturally happens. So then when you get thrown into the wilderness, the prison or the pit, you're all of a sudden like, whoa, this isn't what I thought I signed up for. I I don't understand this. So it's helped me as I look back and I think, what does it really mean that God's good? Mm -hmm. What does it really mean that he's going to protect? What is he protecting me from? Yeah. And I'm realizing more and more often what he's protecting me from is myself. Hmm. 
And that's taken a while to realize I naturally want to be comfortable. I naturally want to be independent. I would like to have a really comfortable living that I can go buy something that I want to buy. Mm -hmm. I would like to be able to pay for whatever my kids want to do. All of these things that I naturally desire, I know my heart well enough that I am very quick to wander. Mm -hmm. And I am very quick to feel pretty good about things if things are going well. And I also have learned very clearly that when things are not going well, I am on my knees, I am dependent, and I start seeing my sin in ways I've never seen. Mm -hmm. I start turning from it in different ways. I start feeling like put in my place in a good way, in a sense that I actually feel more secure and more safe and more protected. And I'm not trying to grip this world with white knuckles. I'm letting go in a way that I'm not as controlled by it anymore. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I have that comfort, I want to do everything I can to keep from losing it. Therefore, I become very white knuckled and I try to control my environment and I actually end up being miserable. Mm -hmm. So I think as I've learned that and I've seen God's eyes are always looking from an eternal perspective. So if he gives me comfort and he protects me as I want, sure, I might be happier on earth, but what am I missing for eternity? What am I losing? One could be salvation, but even once I become a believer, what am I missing out on by not gaining the understanding and the depth that God wants me to have? Mm. Or could he be letting me walk through something that right now feels like the opposite of goodness, the opposite of faithfulness, love, sovereignty, but he's actually teaching me to understand them from a true perspective Mm -hmm. so that on the other side of it, I actually, I am firm and stable regardless of my circumstances, as opposed to being constantly knocked back and forth. And so as I've looked at that, and I've seen not only in an eternal sense, but all those men and women, God brought through those really difficult places, they weren't ready to be used in the way he was designing them to be used until they had gone through the wilderness prisoner pit. Mm -hmm. It was after those places where they learned to walk with God, to be humbled, to be dependent, to be perseverant, to see really what it means to have true joy and satisfaction in Christ and not this world, that's when they were made ready to have a great impact for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been helpful for me as I remember when I feel like I'm in a wilderness period and I see no light at the end of the tunnel, that I can't see the end of the story yet, but also I don't fully understand what God's working in me right now. It's kind of like when you're watching the sunrise, you can't necessarily see it moving. But if you look away and then you look back, all of a sudden it's higher and it's brighter and you realize that was moving. There, The light is growing. I just couldn't, it didn't look like it was in the moment. Well, we often feel like that in our own spiritual growth. In, in the pit or in the trenches, you don't feel like anything good is happening. You see your, ugh, like your green your anger, all the stuff that gets stirred up. And it feels like, gosh, I don't feel like I'm in a good place. My life isn't in a good place. I don't see how anything good can come from this. But we don't always see the inner workings God is slowly doing in our hearts, as well as the people around us watching us walk through those circumstances. Who He wants to use that in the lives of those around us too. It's never just about us. So that's helped me in shifting my perspective. Another really helpful image to me is the butterfly in a, our perspective, we look at the cocoon and we think, gosh, I got to help that little guy. I gotta get him <laughs> out. He's struggling. Yes. And yet that would destroy the rest of the life of the butterfly mm-hmm. if you were to rip that open before they were to the point of strength and endurance to be able to fly on their own. And so shifting that to seeing God knows ultimately how he wants to use us, what he has for us. And in the moment, it feels like the loving thing to do would be to break us out of this difficult place and free us. But in reality, that could be the worst thing for us in Mm -hmm. terms of eternity. So it's just shifting that perspective. And I often have to remind myself of that sometimes multiple times a day (laughs) Mm -hmm. when I don't feel good, when I when I feel sad or I see my kids faces that I can't go do something because I'm just not feeling good that day or my husband our conversation are more about how I'm not feeling good than about other things in life. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many moments where I just feel discouraged in that. And I have to work through that and acknowledge that, Mm -hmm. but then it's the stepping back. And it's again, the process of the Psalms. It's the lamenting to reminding myself, okay, but in the end, what is true and how do I walk forward in faith and in trust, even in the middle of that pain. And, And that's really, you trust God's grace to do that for you. Yeah. 
I got chills when you talked about the pit, the prison, or the wilderness. That is not something we think Mm. about. And so that is so good. And as you're talking, though, I'm sitting there thinking about Jesus praying and deliver us from the evil one. Well, I think you could probably translate that like, well, protect us from the evil one. And that's the way he taught his disciples to pray. And so when we're talking about protection, I mean, Jesus asked to be protected. But then I guess is the question then can we ask God for his protection in the way that we think? Mm -hmm. And then can we say, but not my will, but your will. Hey, would you deliver me from this? Would I not have to go to the cross, but not your will, but my will. Yeah, So definitely. Yes. Ask for the protection. Don't just Mm -hmm. give up in this. I think the book you talk about defeated surrender versus humble submission. Yes. Oh man, that's a big theme for me. It's, I noticed there was a period of time where I was starting to basically resign myself to my situation, which was different than submitting myself to it. Mm -hmm. So it had more of an attitude, kind of like a cynical attitude rather than an acceptance. Mm -hmm. So something bad would happen again. And my response would be like, of course that happened. That would have, that would, that always happens to me. I I knew that was coming rather than, okay, I don't understand why that happened, but again, do I trust that God allowed that for a reason? Am I going to choose to either fight what he's allowing or ask his help to rest in this place and trust him when I don't understand it? Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between like throwing our arms up in the air in a cynical, like resigning myself, nothing will ever get better. I might as well just sit here and moan and groan. That is not going to actually help us work through that process and get to a place of peace Mm -hmm. in the difficult places. It's when we surrender in the sense of I'm entrusting myself and I'm submitting myself because I believe still you have something good for me in it Mm. rather than I can't change it. So I might as well sit back and just be grumpy about it. That's not looking forward with hope. That's just accepting bad and not in terms of preaching to ourselves that there's more going on than meets the eye. And I, I will be totally upfront. I think there's times where you do get stuck in that rut, sometimes even unknowingly, like Mm -hmm. sometimes life feels so burdensome and there's so many layers going on that you almost feel paralyzed by it so that you're, you're almost not even aware, like slowly I found myself just trying to distract myself from pain because Mm -hmm. it just felt like it was around every corner. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think about getting out of it. I just wanted to distract myself from it. And that or numbing myself, whatever it was. And I finally, it took me a while to realize I was getting my, my feet stuck in the mud. I was not taking the Lord's hand and choosing to walk with him through it. Mm-hmm. And I actually ended up more miserable that way because I, I wasn't finding the peace of Christ in that dark place. I was resigning myself to it mm-hmm. and basically just trying to not feel the pain. And that didn't help me. So that has helped. And I I just would say we have to give ourselves grace in that process. We are, God knows we are but dust. (laughs) He knows that we face trauma. Our brains can be affected by things. Our bodies can have reactions of anxiety. We are body, mind, and soul. And that can feel really discouraging when we're in that really difficult place. And so there is an aspect of, Lord, I don't even know how to put one foot in front of the other right now. Mm -hmm. I just... I don't want to. I would rather just sit down and not move. (laughs) So I'm asking for you to help me keep going. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's that place of dependence that I don't even feel strong enough to look at this with hope. I just feel hopeless and I need you to infuse me with hope because I don't have it myself. I think that is just an honest recognition that we are human and we do grow weary and we grow discouraged and to know that Christ knows what that's like, mm-hmm. I think is what helps us to draw near to him rather than away from him in that in that situation. Yeah. So talking about hope, and maybe this feels like we're going in a circle and I'm overanalyzing, <laughs> but I think this is what a lot of us do when we're in pain and, and mm-hmm. grief. So when you have the submission instead of the cynicism, and then you're like, okay, God, give me that hope that's your hope. I don't have it. Then how do you not fall back into fear of disappointment? Because when you hope again, you can't get disappointed again. And I know I was reading your most recent book coming out. And I know you just told me before we hit record that you just had another ankle surgery. It's not like, oh yeah, I went through all of these things and now we just 
had a few million dollars come our way and my health is amazing and my kids' health is amazing. Yeah. Maybe that has happened. And if that happens, praise God. Nope. <laughs> but you're, you're still in that place where yeah. I'm sure you're, you're continuing to face disappointments. And mm-hmm. yet, how do you keep saying, but God, I know you're good and I'm not, I'm going to hope and I won't fear the disappointment that comes with my hope being crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. I so do. I, I was just telling my husband yesterday, cause since having surgery, I've just felt, I felt symptoms flare more. Mm-hmm. So I really haven't had a day that I haven't felt achy or sick or something. And that just affects everything. It just affects your mood. It affects your relationships. It affects what you can do. So it's really easy to get discouraged fast. And I've been battling that discouragement. And I just said to him, it just sometimes feels like, what's the point of trying again? Mm -hmm. Because I've done this road so many times, spent how much money and find myself right back where I began. And so it's, it's hard to want to pick myself back up and try again. It's, is that just setting myself up for disappointment? So I think one, I wouldn't say that's a simple answer. I mm-hmm. think there's always a little bit of a and mix of both combined. I wouldn't say you like a hundred percent always feel like I'm taking this step of hope and I'm okay if it falls flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think so we're always having to kind of wrestle back and forth with that. But I would say I think as life has gone on and as the Lord has stripped things away one after another. I've had to get to the place where I continually filter it all through. This is all temporary. So I don't know what the future of my ankle is going to look like. I I very well know I'm losing my ability to walk on it. I have options that the options that I have are not really good. (laughs) And they would take a huge cost, either if I get a replacement, whatever it is. So it hits me various times, this reality, I don't know how long I'll be able to walk. And I'm 38 and I have four kids and God knows he created me to love activity and sports and all these things that were stress relievers for me that I can no longer do. And when I realize that maybe the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. it can hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I can't just like brush that off. It takes me some time to process that to again, go through that process of grief, like Mm -hmm. this stinks. (laughs) I I don't like this. I'm sad about this. And it's really easy to be afraid of what my future is going to look like. But I would say, as I work through that process more and more, I keep reminding and hearing, Sarah, this is temporary. No matter what God takes from you or allows to be taken in your lifetime, one, he's never doing it without a purpose. There's always something he can work through that to bring good from it. Mm -hmm. But two, I will one day be able to run again. I will one day be free from degeneration of anything. I, I have that hope that can't be taken. So that is what has to scream louder at me. Yeah, I'm going to feel the screaming of the disappointment, but I have to look and listen more clearly to one, God promises to carry me through no matter what, Mm -hmm. and even have blessings mixed in there that I can't see right now. But if he chooses not to restore my ability, if he chooses to let that path continue that I easily could fear, Mm -hmm. do I trust him anyway? And I know eventually this will end. Yep. Yep. Knowing there's an end because isn't that the most hopeless is when you feel like it's endless. That is where I despair. If I let myself go there and I think this is never going to end then you have no reason to keep trying. You have no reason to go on. It becomes all consuming. Mm -hmm. But if I really believe that this will end, and I think about the really small blip that our life is in comparison to eternity, Mm -hmm. I think it it gives, it it lights a fire in me and it makes me want to be like, all right, Lord, then I need you to give me the fervency and the zeal and the passion no matter what cost it is that you will use me and allow me to live every day of my life to the max, even if that means you're going to allow so many things to be taken in order to do that. That's not easy to get there. And it's a cycle. I'm not always there, believe me. But I think that's what you have to fall back on in the end. I'm going to be sad. This is maybe what God's going to allow, but he also may provide things I didn't see coming. Uh Like I didn't 
picture myself being a writer. I wanted to be on adult sports leagues. I wanted to be Mm -hmm. doing these other things and those got taken away, but it left space for something that has become a great joy of mine that I never would have pursued otherwise. So God is always thinking a million dimensional, even though we look one dimensional. Mm -hmm. I love that. A million dimensional. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I know people listening, I feel like they're, and I just want to speak over you. I think you have an authority in the realm of suffering Mm. because of what you walked through to speak hope and life into people. And so for someone listening, I know there was a quote in Hope When It Hurts where you said, he won't withhold the good things I need while I wait for them. Yeah. What about the person who's sitting there right now and they're like, man, this episode is great, but I do feel forgotten by God. I'm in the, the pit right now. Yeah you know, going through what you've been through, I, I think you have the authority to, to speak into their life of what would you say to someone just in the, in the trench? Yeah. Full circle? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot, there's a lot to that. And maybe it was a lot of what you've said already, but it, I mean, I think, I do think there's a lot of those pieces go in there. I would say I didn't learn all of that at once. Mm. I think each thing that I've been taken through has carried a different level of that. So I think what I would say is I think one of some of the most difficult seasons for me have been when I didn't feel God's presence, when I didn't feel like I saw him tangibly. Those were some of my darkest seasons. And so I think the first thing to hear is that that is a very typical experience for a believer. Mm -hmm. We all go through seasons where God pulls back his sense of his presence for whatever reason, sometimes to create a hunger in us. But we don't always fully understand. Sometimes I think the enemy has a hand in that. He wants to convince us God doesn't care. Mm -hmm. So he will do absolutely everything he can think of in order to convince us that God doesn't care. And he's gotten close to convincing me of that many times. Mm -hmm. And so in those seasons where you feel like I don't sense God's presence, I don't see him working in this, I feel like he's doing the opposite of protecting me. He's allowing one blow after another. One, it helps me to think of Job. And I look at that, the story of Job, that Job was a righteous man. He didn't bring his suffering on himself. Mm -hmm. God actually focused in on Job as a treasured child of his. And yet look at what happened immediately after that. The enemy, he became the enemy's target. Mm -hmm. And so if we are children of God, We are the enemy's target and he will do everything he can. And I think we forget sometimes, yes, God is allowing everything, but Satan has a big hand in what comes in our life too. Mm -hmm. God restrains it. He puts boundaries to it and he can take the enemy's arrows and flick them on on the enemy himself, but we still may endure it Mm -hmm. and not understand why. And so I think it's helped me twofold. One, to remember I have an enemy. This is not, I I don't want to immediately, something bad comes and I turn it immediately to God. Why God would you do this to me? Yeah, he is allowing it. And he may have brought it into my life deliberately for a purpose, but the enemy is also at work. And so when I change that, like if I think I have an enemy coming after me, that intensifies my fight in me. Yeah. If I think the person that loves me is hurting me, that's discouraging. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's the difference there. And so I think helping me go through that process I've got someone who is trying to take me down and trying to convince me that God doesn't care right now. I have got to fight back mm-hmm. and I've got to fight That's back good. with what is true and what I do know is true, what God has proven to be true, reading in his scripture, looking and remembering what he's done. We can look back and see the whole story and we can see they felt the same way I did. Mm-hmm. Abraham was promised he'd have a kid. Well, look at how long he waited. Mm-hmm. Like how many years was he like God said he'd do this. He's not faithful to that. So I better get on it and fix this myself. So we've, we experienced similar things, but then we can see what God did and how he was faithful and how he loves to take what seems impossible and to show his glory through it. Mm -hmm. So that has helped me when I picture that. The other thing, Spurgeon has this quote, sometimes I'm trying to think exactly what it is, is a greater miracle for the bush to burn and not be consumed than for God to put out the fire. Mm. And it's helped me think like, so if I am the burning bush and I am in the heat of the fire, sometimes God uses us so powerfully 
to the watching world that he's sustaining us in the fire than just removing the fire. Yeah. And when I think about the impact that my life is not just about me and he could be impacting my children, my friends, my church, my neighborhood, people listening, people outside, people online, people listening in ways that I may never know, then that helps renew a little bit of a perseverance in me Mm -hmm. and a bigger perspective that it's not instead of honing in and just focusing on the pain that doesn't make sense right now, stepping back and seeing that there's a lot at work that I can't see right now. And that really helps me as well. Um, But I just, I have a heart for people in that lonely place because I've been there many times when you just don't feel like you're praying and you don't feel like God is hearing or answering or you don't see him acting. And those are the seasons to draw, to fight to be close to the Lord, to, to pursue him in a way that you never have before. And I promise you, he will show up. Mm-hmm. It's just not always in our timeline or in the way we expect. But I can look back at so many seasons that I was alone with a child that was violent. I was scared all the time. My husband was gone. I felt sick all the time. I had three other kids to care for who also had ailments. I I don't know how I survived. I honestly have no idea how I survived. And I didn't feel like I was surviving it well Mm -hmm. at times. But as I look back now, I can see, my goodness, I was literally being carried. Mm. I I don't know how I am still alive and functioning, (laughs) but the Lord was being faithful when I didn't feel it. He was in those rooms with me when I felt terrified and I didn't know how to get out of a situation. Somehow he carried me through every one of them. And now I can see ways he's used it, ways he's redeeming it. Didn't take away the pain or the trauma that's come from it, but I can see how he's redeeming what seemed very unredeemable. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, don't lose hope and press on and use this time to just pour promises over yourself until you believe them. Mm -hmm. Because you don't always, it's, it's like the fight to get from our head to our heart. Yeah. And I, that is what I can say is God will be faithful to that. He won't let you go. Even when you feel like it's, it's helpful for me to remember just because I don't feel the Lord does not mean he's not there. Mm-hmm. So that I need to remember a lot because I am a feelings person, which mm-hmm. is why I write. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I have to remember, I will not always feel strong in my faith. I will not always feel like God is right there in the room with me, but I always can end up seeing his faithfulness in the end. Yeah. So good. So good, Sarah. I am sorry to have to bring this to a close no, because I think okay. it's like you're, you're preaching and I'm, I'm being ministered <laughs> too. So I know other people are as well, but oh, before we wrap up, I did want to ask, do you want to share about your new book coming out a little bit? Cause yeah. I think everything that you've been talking about flows into probably why you wrote it. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited about this one simply because of the unique aspect of it. It was written initially with a heart of being able to be shared with non-believers also, or people who are kind of, they're not sure where they stand. They maybe know and have had knowledge of the truth, but they're suddenly hitting a really tough patch in life and they're struggling to connect the two. Mm -hmm. So I tried to write it in a way that it would be an encouragement to Christians, but I also weave the gospel through it mm-hmm. in a way that's very testimonial. Awesome. It's not preachy. I really wanted it to be like, look, I'm in the trenches with you. I want to walk with you and I want to help you see what what has helped carry me through this. So mm-hmm. I'm not standing over you like I figured it all out. I'm telling you how to do this well. I'm sitting there with you saying, this hurts and I'm going to acknowledge it right there with you. Yeah. And we don't necessarily make sense of all of it, but this is the only hope that has carried me through. And I so desperately want you to have that hope. So I'm hoping it'll be an encouragement to believers, but it's small and it's short called Tears and Tossings. And it's on Psalm 56 about how God keeps count of our tossings and he holds our tears in his bottle. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to show the compassion of God. He's not this God that's like shaking his finger up at us. Mm -hmm. Shame on you. He wants us to come near and he wants to offer his salvation and he wants to draw near in our pain too. So that's my hope is that not only will it encourage your own heart, but that you, you'd feel comfortable to pass it out to the store clerk who's just opened up about a really painful situation or a neighbor who's maybe 
you're not sure where they stand or whoever it is, that it can also be a helpful resource to, to hand out to encourage non-believers as well. Mm-hmm. And I looked before we started the interview and I think the pre-order is $4.99 right now. So it's super affordable. Yep. Yep. And it's, if you order bulk, I think on 10 of those, I think if you order, it goes down like every 10 that you order. So oh, if cool. you order like 50 or more, I think it's like $2.99 a book. Oh, that's awesome. So it makes it way easier for people to be able to hand it out. I wish they didn't have to charge for it because I'd like to just hand it out to mm-hmm. everybody. Is that <laughs> on? I guess there's a business. A different website or Amazon? So 10ofthose.com, 10 Publishing okay. is the one that's yep. publishing it. So 10ofthose.com offers the steeper bulk discounts. Okay. If you're just ordering one or two, Amazon's usually a better a better route. Okay. So, yes. Awesome. Yeah, okay, thanks. what did we not cover that you want to share? Is there something oh burning on your mind? We covered a lot. You know, we covered a lot. We did. We really did. I just and the overall theme of all of this is I hope my life is a picture of yes, the reality is we live in a fallen world and life is really hard and we will all taste it in some way, even if we feel like life's going peachy, we'll, we'll feel the pain of it mm-hmm. in some way, some capacity, but suffering is not our enemy at all times. And I think that's helped me to change that view that God tells us we will face trouble in this world. He, t- he tells us clear as day. So the sooner we get it out of our mind that being a believer means that I will have a peachy keen life without any trouble, the quicker we will not turn immediately into this despairing place of why God, as soon as something painful comes, because we're ready for, we expect it. We, we know that God is at work and doing things that I can't always understand. And often he does it through taking us through something difficult. And so I think it's just, that is an important thing for me. We are being prepared for eternity mm-hmm. and we're being prepared for more difficult things coming in life. And so it's strangely a blessing, not the suffering itself. Mm-hmm. We're not like you know, people who are supposed to glorify suffering. That is not the point. The point is, is we serve a really big God. And so I just encourage anybody who's in a place that feels really hopeless that this isn't the end of the story. And so fight for that hope with what God says is true. Well, thank you for giving them that encouragement. And I want to say that I do believe you are that example. So thank you to you you. for continuing to fight the good fight. And thank you for coming on today. It has been a tremendous blessing for us. Oh, thank you. Well, it is, it is in turn. I always find myself so blessed by these things too. Mm -hmm. It's, It's like rehearsing truth to myself. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think Sarah already started, but I want to take this moment to commission you to keep fighting, friend. Wherever you are today, I believe that God is good. He will supply what you need in the waiting and that there is a war going on and you are a warrior in the kingdom of God. So please keep, keep fighting, pick up that sword of faith and we are there with you. Thank you so much to Sarah for coming on. Please check out her books, Hope When It Hurts and Tears and Tossings. I've linked all of her books and ways to connect with her in the show notes. And I believe that these resources will really, really bless your spirit today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for continuing to listen. We're grateful for you and we hope that you have a great week.